Amen. Good morning. My name is Jimmy. I am one of the pastors here at the Hill. It is a joy to worship with you as you've heard referenced or alluded to about four times already. You can open your Bibles to Psalm 23 if you haven't done that already. Um, We are having a condensed service today. What that means is a few things. Number one, I have to give you the announcements because there's no announcement video. Uh, At least the announcements you need to know is there was a family meeting scheduled for this evening. It will be canceled or at least it will be uh, postponed. We'll give you an update on when that will be. There was also a scheduled community group leader and uh, discipleship group leader right after church today. That as well we will postpone. So we want you to be able to leave and go home immediately uh, following church. That also means that I'm going to have a condensed sermon from probably one of the most wonderful texts in the Bible, Psalm 23, so it means we should get started. Psalm 23, as our sister already read for us, uh, Psalm 23 is a fantastic uh, text that we get to swim in this morning uh, in a little bit shorter time, but obviously a fruitful time. God is described in many ways in the Bible. Every one of those are meant to instruct us on who God is. God is said to be a lion, an eagle, a lamb, a light, a shield, to name a few. The Bible goes on and describes our Lord as the Creator, as a bridegroom, as a husband, as a king, as a warrior, as a physician. We could keep going. This morning, though, from Psalm 23, we're going to consider a particularly important image of God as our shepherd. In this psalm, I'm going to just be very direct and quick this morning as we get into it. It causes us to reflect upon some really important questions. Mainly, where do you believe ultimate satisfaction and ultimate contentment are to be found? King David, the author of Psalm 23, wrestles with this issue in his life and brings it to the surface in a most wonderful way in Psalm 23 this morning. Psalm 23 is considered a psalm of contentment or a psalm of satisfaction. David begins this most wonderful psalm with a statement regarding desire, regarding satisfaction, regarding contentment. The opening line reads, which functions, I think, as a summary statement for the entire psalm. David announces, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Encapsulated in that phrase is the entirety of Psalm 23. I think he spends the rest of the time double-clicking, unpacking that very line. So through this brief study this morning... From David, in Psalm 23, we want to see that satisfaction is found in the solace of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ. That satisfaction, true satisfaction for our souls, for our lives, is found in the solace of the good shepherd, Jesus Christ. I'm going to uh, walk through the text really under three kind of breaks or headings. We're going to look at the provision that we find in the text, protection that we see here, and the promise all given by the shepherd so first, God's shepherd, uh, the good shepherd, I'm sorry, it is God's shepherd, but good, the good shepherd um, provides for us what we need. We see that in verses 1 to 3. The Lord is my shepherd is David's opening words. Opening words are really important. Opening words are sometimes very difficult. If you're 
writing a paper, if you can think back to that time in your life, I was writing one last week. It's really important. The first line can be really important and it can often be really hard. Sometimes you're stuck trying to figure out that first line. As David writes this wonderful psalm meant to be a, a psalm of worship for God's people, he begins with that great line, The Lord is my shepherd, Yahweh, the covenant name of God, is the first word in this text, is the great I am. This is the self-existent one. This is the Lord. This is the faithful covenant-keeping God, the one full of steadfast love and mercy. All of that is packed in that one opening line. And it is this God, David says, the Lord. He is not just a shepherd. He's my shepherd. We should remember that before David was anointed king over Israel, he was a shepherd. And as a shepherd, David understood sheep. Left to themselves, sheep lack pretty much everything. Cared for by the shepherd, they lack nothing. David knew sheep to be utterly dependent upon the shepherd. And David's experience of being a shepherd in the past would prove essential for him as king over Israel, which is described and depicted in the imagery of a shepherd. But what's very important about Psalm 23 is that David, King David, writes not as the shepherd, he writes as a sheep. David realized he was not the chief shepherd. The chief shepherd was God alone. See, David's first words in Psalm 23 are a, are a declaration, we might say, of dependence. And that's important as we think about this psalm. Satisfaction begins with dependence upon the Lord. It begins with the acknowledgement that true satisfaction cannot be found in the things around us, the things we possess, the things we tend to or even do accomplish or desire to accomplish in our status or even our relationships with each other. True satisfaction is found in God alone. We should also notice how contained in this most famous, famous psalm is not one imperative. Psalm 23 tells us actually to do absolutely nothing. No action is commanded in this text. But don't we try so hard to earn, achieve satisfaction and contentment in this life. And yet Psalm 23 reminds us just how wrong-headed that is. Satisfaction in this life is not based upon anything we do. It's not based on any activity or anything we achieve, the things we accomplish. Satisfaction is found in embracing the, the Lord, the God of the Bible, the God as described in the Bible as our shepherd. That's what Psalm 23 is all about. For when this God is your shepherd, your wants are no more. You will be satisfied. And our shepherd, as our shepherd, we're to trust his provision, which is described in at least three ways in the, verse, in the first three verses. So first, the shepherd, he provides nourishment for us. It says he makes us lie down in green pastures. Sheep spent most of the majority, the, the majority of their time not in green pastures, but in wilderness. 
Green pastures was not the norm, we might say. The common experience for a sheep was not lush, green lands of pasture. The common surrounding looked like starvation in the wilderness. But David says here, he makes me lie down in green pastures. So to be a sheep meant to trust the shepherd. It meant to recognize and to be able to confess that your surroundings... The current situation, the things you can only see with your eyes, that does not dictate your nourishment. The shepherd does. You can trust him. And he's the one who provides ultimate sustenance and nourishment for our soul. Secondly, though, the shepherd provides rest. Then the verse 2 says, He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Soul simply refers to life here. The Lord is the one who revives us when we need strength. He restores us when we stumble and fall. He refreshes us through His Word. The Lord brings an eternal perspective to this life, helping us see beyond the daily grind and stress of our day. True rest is found in Him. And thirdly, He provides us guidance. He leads us, the text says. He leads us by still waters. And in verse 3, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name sake our 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 shepherd the text is saying he doesn't drive us he doesn't trick us he doesn't manipulate us he leads us as a good shepherd and this leading is always in the right and proper place paths of righteousness so god our shepherd leads us by his word and by his spirit psalm 119 105 states your word is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path So by the word of the Lord, uh, by the word of God, we learn to do the right thing in the right way for the right purpose. Or we could say for his namesake, as it says at the end of verse three. So the question straightforward this morning is for all of us is who's our shepherd? Who or what do we think will bring us ultimate satisfaction? Who do we look to for nourishment? Who are we seeking to find rest in? Who do we look to for guidance in this life? Who or what is leading you and determining your life? That's your shepherd. What do we believe true satisfaction is found? That's what David's setting before us. And as we noted in our study of the Psalms, as we've been looking each week, we said that, like every book in the Old Testament, the Psalms... They point us forward with the expectation of one to come. And they point us forward to Jesus. Some more clear than others. Psalm 23 is most clearly bounces and explodes off the page for us. Jesus describes himself as the good shepherd. John 10:11. Jesus himself says, I'm the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Hebrews 13:20 speaks of Jesus as the, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. Jesus is the true good chief shepherd. We are mere sheep, as the Bible says. Sheep who have gone astray in our sin. We have all wandered off and found ourselves separated from God in our sin. And because of our sin, we find ourselves in a desperate, needy place, needing rescue by a shepherd to come find us and seek us out. And the good shepherd Jesus does just that. 
He lays down His life for His sheep on the cross to rescue us from sin and death. So the most important question we could ask this morning for everyone in the room is, is your shepherd the good shepherd? Because Jesus is our nourishment. He's the bread of life. He's our rest. Jesus beckons us to come, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Jesus is our, our guidance. He is the, the way, the truth, and the life. True satisfaction, your ability to say with David that I shall not want, that I am truly satisfied, is not dependent upon circumstances, goals, and efforts in this life, but in your shepherd and your relationship to him. Jesus is the good shepherd, found satisfactions found in his provision in our lives. But Jesus not only provides for us as our shepherd, secondly, our good shepherd protects us whenever, wherever we are. Let me read 4 and 5 again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. While shepherd's role was to provide and lead the sheep, one of his primary tasks was to protect the sheep. Shepherds were no pushovers. Their rod and their staff was not simply a hiking stick. We see this clearly in these verses. David says, even though I walked the valley of the shadow of death, literally valley of deep darkness, a valley so dark it seems to be... uh, Uh, darkness seems to be forever on the horizon. David is able to say in the midst of darkness, I will fear no evil because, for, he knows God is going to remove him immediately from all the difficult situations. Not at all. Because he knows the protective presence of his shepherd is with him. He says, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Notice here, Uh, the shift from speaking about the Lord in verses 1 to 3 to verses 5 to 6, speaking directly to the Lord, uh, you are with me. This darkness is real, though it seems as death is looming over David, the shepherd's here, he says. God's protective presence is with him, therefore he fears not. Beloved life, has its valleys of deep darkness. There are seasons where darkness, and yes, even death, will seem to cast its long, endless shadow over our lives. The reality is every day is not green pastures and still waters. But in those moments, the Good Shepherd is with us. He protects us by His very presence with us. And it's not that he's just present, though. His presence brings intimate fellowship in the midst of darkness. Verse 5, it says here again, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. All the imagery here from the uh, well-set table to festive oil, a brimming cup is, is meant to speak of presence and intimacy with the Lord in the midst of deep darkness. In deep darkness, 
David has learned and David is instructing us not to fear. And the reason for that is we have the one we need and he has all the resources necessary to protect us and comfort us in the midst of anything. We must learn what David did, that satisfaction is found not in the absence of pain, but in the presence of the living God. It was the Lord's presence that comforted David, not his escape from the pain and darkness. He says, in the valley of the shadow of death and in the presence of my enemies, you are with me. The maybe, maybe it's too strong, maybe I say the one thing, but I'll just say it this way. One thing that can be worse than pain in this life is false hope in this life. It's like waiting in the rain with an umbrella, without an umbrella, we should say, for a bus that never comes. To hold God's to hold God hostage to an outcome He didn't promise is the fastest way for your heart to be overcome with discontentment. God does not promise us a trouble-free life here on this earth. In fact, we seem to find just the opposite on almost every page of the Bible. So our aim should not be to merely pray that God would remove us from darkness and pain, but that, but, but that... Uh, that we might find Him in the midst of it. We need to recognize we are dependent sheep. Because of this, we don't simply pray for God to remove us from the darkness. We pray that God would fill us with a sense of His presence that would protect us in the midst of anything. Instead of focusing our efforts on escaping the darkness, we must learn to embrace the protective presence of the shepherd in the midst of all of life. And with His presence, we learn to trust Him and experience this intimate fellowship. Isaiah 41, Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. Listen to the intimacy of this language. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Our shepherd protects us. Through his presence. Thirdly, our good shepherd promises us final triumph in him. Our shepherd protects us, leads us through danger and darkness, but he does more. He promises triumph for us. While David's language uh, depicts our sure acceptance, our intimacy and fellowship with God in the midst of darkness, David's, he stretches his language to go even further in verse 6. The promise he provides is better than even a feast with the Lord in the midst of darkness. We are invited by the text to live with this shepherd. We're invited to enjoy this shepherd's presence forever. Where, where David's enemies were in pursuit of him in verse 5, now he tells us someone else is pursuing him. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David saying instead of being pursued by our enemies and having the shadow of darkness chasing him down, it is the goodness and mercy, the loving kindness of the good shepherd that was constantly running after David and running him down. Fantastic image. 
David's saying, our shepherd aggressively pursues us in his covenant love. And we can't outrun God. God's mercy, His grace, His steadfast love is always right on our heels is the picture. David says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. David writes Psalm 23. It's important we think about that as an older man towards the end of his life. We think about David's life. He'd experienced a lot. He'd experienced the death of a son. He had, to be, he had to run from his life, as we looked at Psalm 4 last week, from one of his sons, Absalom, who wanted to take his life. His best friend Jonathan had been murdered. His daughter Tamar had been raped. David knew the valley of the shadow of death. David understood what it was like to be literally, spiritually surrounded by enemies. Boxed in, as we saw last week. Cornered in, overcome and through all of life, David knew God had demonstrated his faithfulness again and again and again and again. He knew God to be his shepherd, whose goodness and mercy toward him was undeniable. It chased him down. It pursued him at every turn of his life. You know, I often sit, with, I sit in my own soul but I often sit with people in counseling who are sometimes um, crippled by the rearview mirror of their life. The rearview mirror does often depict sin and problems and brokenness and mistakes we've made, shortcomings, deep sin and hurts in our life. Things we look back and we say, man, all I wish I could do is just change that. The rearview mirror does depict that. But for a Christian, the rearview mirror depicts something else. It depicts that we have this God who loves us in such a way that in the midst of all of those things, He's pursued us and He continually pursues us and runs us down. It's often a question I ask the people struggling in those moments. Why are you here? Like, what do you mean? That's <laughs> like a very lack, a question that lacks empathy in the middle of counseling. Why are you here? Or why are you sitting here on... The couch in my office with a Bible open speaking to a pastor. You think you're doing that in your own strength? You think the enemy wanted you to be here? You're here because the steadfast love of the Lord has brought you here. And we often seem to forget and we're overcome by our circumstances and our sin and our mistakes in the past. We forget that God is pursuing us and we know that because we're still in fellowship with Him. In the weak and, and, and difficulty of how fickle our faith can be in the moment, the fact that we have faith, the fact that we're still walking with the Lord Jesus, the fact that we're in faith, in covenant faithfulness with Him, is due to Him. So when you look in the rear view of your, of your life and you find yourself struggling and thinking and anxieties begin to take over, think about there's something else in that mirror. The steadfast love of the Lord is in that mirror. And it has been pursuing me ever since He brought me to Himself. We can say this. Surely, goodness and mercy has followed me all the days of my life. We can say it with more emphasis, more depth of meaning than King David could. Because we know Jesus. 
despite our sin and rebellion, despite your selfish pride, despite you seeking constantly to find satisfaction in so many other things, God pursued you in the person of His Son, Jesus. And He poured out His goodness and mercy on you. Paul says, God shows His love, His steadfast love and mercy for us. How? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The goodness and mercy of God has been fully and finally lavished upon us in Jesus Christ through His death upon the cross. Jesus demonstrates He is our good shepherd who lays down His life for His sheep. And furthermore, if we've been walking with Jesus for any real amount of time, you know that through each season, no matter how painful, no matter how difficult, the shepherd has always proven himself to be faithful. He provides for us. He protects us. He guides us. He pursues us. And this reality caused David to look forward, which is where our eyes should go, with confidence towards the future to the promise of a final triumph. It's the promise which really holds the entire Bible together. I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's the, it's the promise that we will spend eternity in the presence of our good shepherd. John 10 27, 28, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. And they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. Read that verse in, in light of Psalm 23. Jesus, the good shepherd, calls to his sheep. He promises to give them eternal life. And it's a secured eternal life that no one can take away. But sheep really can't do anything except follow the shepherd. So for Jesus to be your shepherd, you must follow Him. You must live for Him. And that begins by you recognizing that you're a sheep. You're a sinner who tends to wander away from God. You're a sinner deserving of punishment. One who recognizes you need a Savior. But it's also recognizing you have one this morning in Jesus. The Good Shepherd. Who died upon the cross to pay for your sins. He will satisfy your soul. We must follow Him. And this begins with repentance and faith. So where do you believe true satisfaction is found? It's not found in you doing. It's not found in you earning achieving anything is found in you embracing someone. Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. Recognizing you're a sheep, recognizing that you're dependent upon Him, recognizing that He's the only one worthy of your dependence. So if you're hungry this morning, come to Jesus. He'll give you nourishment for your soul. If you're tired this morning, Come to Jesus. He'll give you rest for your soul. If you're lost and wondering, needing guidance this morning, look to Jesus. He's here for you. No matter the situation we find ourselves in,
God's protective presence. And the Lord Jesus is with us. And don't forget the good shepherd promises our final triumph in him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, all the wonderful images of who you are come to us, speak to us and tell us the beauty of your person. You're a lion who defends us. You're a lamb who laid down your life for us. You're a warrior who wields your sword on behalf of us. You're a king who rules and reigns. But you are also our shepherd. You're the one that knows best for our lives. You're the one who will correct us. Use your staff to comfort us, to let us know you're there, but also strike us when necessary so that we will do what you've called us to do, which is follow you. Lord, we thank you that in the midst of darkness, you don't stand off at a distance. You meet us. We know that. Because we know Jesus, who's not, who's not a son who stood off at a distance and offered a remedy for us to try to fix ourselves, but understood, you understood, the plight of what was going on in our hearts and in our lives and in this world was such that you took upon suffering and sin yourself, our sin. And you bore it on the tree for us. And you rose eternally to give us life in you. So we thank you, Lord, that you are our chief shepherd. We pray that this text would cause us to reflect, to think about where, where do we tend to look for satisfaction and comfort. Who's our shepherd? God, I pray we would be recommitted again this morning to make sure that the shepherd of our lives is the good shepherd who laid down his life for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your work on our behalf. We love you. We trust you. In your name we pray. Amen.